Hello, friend, and welcome to the Live Your Legacy podcast with Chelsea Quint, where we are committed to talking all things conscious business, doing well by doing good, spiritual practice, spirituality, folding in spirituality into day-to-day existence, and being your own healer. I'm stoked to have you here. Welcome back to Live Your Legacy, the podcast, where we talk about a lot of things, including all the different ways you can start living your legacy sooner, right now, in the moment. One of those ways, which we will dive into today, is a thing that I spend a lot of time talking about on this podcast and off which is living your legacy through the vehicle of your business. And we are going to talk about how, let me tell you what we're going to talk about. So then we can talk about it. And then I can tell you what we talked about. Um, How you can identify which phase of business development you are currently in. And then from that place, identify discover, decide um, what it is that you need most to continue to your development of that phase and move toward and eventually into the next phase. I don't want to say <clears throat> level, um, like level one business, level two business, because so often there's kind of a... Um, there's a pejorative sense of the word level, right? It's like, oh, she's, wait, she's a level five business. Shit. I'm, I'm not, I'm a level one. I want to be a level five, right? Like there's this idea that higher up is better, that more is better, that farther along is better. And I mean, let me tell (laughs) you, there are some of my clients, many of my clients, pretty much all my clients, um, who some of my clients are farther along than I am in various ways. Um, But a lot of my clients who are more entry level, beginner, starting up phase, more in phase one um, or phase two even than I am, they, I mean, they blow my socks off. So anyway, the point is, That's why I say phase instead of level. None of these phases, for that's the language I'm choosing to use, are better than any other one. And the reason I wanted to put together this podcast is because there's a lot of noise, period. We could leave it there. But especially in the online business space, when you are trying to start your business or trying to scale your business, or you've started to get some success, like, Jiminy Crickets, there is so much noise about what you have to do, what you need to understand, the secret formula, the next level, the manifestation trick that's going to change things, how to unlock your divine feminine so every launch can be easy in six figures, right? Like, there's so much noise about what you need, and most of the noise that you are consuming is marketing. I'm not, I'm anti-unethical marketing, <laughs> but I'm not anti-marketing. I, this is, I, I market all the goddamn time. Technically, this is both marketing and free, like de- technically this is marketing, right? I use social media for marketing. It's not, yes, to build community, a lot of different reasons, but like I use it for marketing. This is how I pay my bills. I've talked about this before. And because of that, there, a lot of what you read is, it's not that it's not designed to help you, right? Like when, if you've ever learned, if you've ever taken any kind of content marketing course or learned about writing content or learned about how to build an audience, whatever, one of the most try prolific pieces of advice is give value, give value, give value. And so it's not that marketing content is not designed to give you value. 
good content is, but it is also designed to market, right? There is the, uh, the way that I often kind of think about it and teach it is from the back end, from the creator's perspective, the business owner's perspective, what is your objective for this piece of content, right? Like, what do you want someone to do or think or feel or shift after this? What is the impact that you want it to create, right? And also the audience perspective. What do you want it to do for them? How is it going to support them, right? What is it going to do for my business? Because this is how I pay my bills. This is how I live my legacy through the vehicle of my business. This is how I support myself or my family or whatever, my community, my nonprofit, my whatever. Um, but then also thinking about the client, customer, consumer, person consuming the content. So I'm actually, I'm going to say, fuck it. This is, I'm, I'm going to do my best to make this not marketing. <laughs> is that even possible? I don't know. I want to not sell you anything in this podcast. Please do not try to hire me after this. Don't go buy a program of mine. Don't like none of that because I want you to be able to take this information and use it to make more informed, what I like to call empowered decisions about what your next step is. Because if you are in the starting up, startup phase of your business, which has, there are a lot of pieces in that phase, okay? It is, you are building something from scratch. I think about it like, I have not had a child, not a mom, but I think about it like in the first trimester of pregnancy, right? You are like making, you're not literally making something out of nothing, but kind of, like you are making so much, I wish I could remember stats. So much of the baby is created within those first 12, 12 weeks. And then there's a lot of like, you know, brain is later on. There's a lot of stuff. But so much of the basic infrastructure is it bad to call a child that? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to move away from this comparison before I get too weird and too in the weeds. Starting a business is a big freaking task. So for a lot of folks, it feels really frustrating to be in the starting up phase for a long time, a long time. I'm, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes. Um, that's relative for everyone. But this narrative of like, I went from making $0 to six figures in my first year. I sold $200,000 in sales in my first year. Da, 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 da. Like, those stories are <clears throat> marketing. They might be true stories. They might also be, right? But they are positioned in a way to incentivize sales, to incentivize the action, the desired action of the marketing, okay? So we hear so many of those stories, those kind of like rags to riches stories that we create this notion of I want it now, and if it's not happening now, that means I'm blocked. That means I'm doing something wrong. That means my energy's not right. I'm not in alignment. I don't know what I'm doing. I have to hire someone else. The answer might be hiring a coach. It might be joining a course. Could be. But let's let's pause before you whip out your credit or debit card and start handing that over and trying to throw money at the problem before you know what the problem is. Because let me tell you, my business isn't working the way I want it to. That is a really big, vague problem, right? Like I, uh, so for me, I'll use me as an example, right? I probably about six months ago, eight months ago, could could very much have said, probably did say, my business isn't working the way I want it to. I have a problem. My business isn't working the way I want it to. What I meant was, uh, like, I'm making money, but, like, it's just kind of feeling dry and, like, I'm not inspired anymore. My business isn't lighting me up as much. I'm feeling more burned out. It's harder to write content. Like, 
I was still making six figures a year, meh, 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 but it was feeling shitty. That is one thing that my business isn't working, I have a problem, could mean. The solution for that is not go take business 101 from Susie Business Coach. That is not the answer to that problem, right? Versus you could be sitting there saying, my business isn't working the way I want it to. And that means you keep lowering your prices or you keep attracting clients who um, aren't showing up to their sessions or aren't showing up to the course or aren't doing the work that they say that they're going to do, right? Or it could be you're attracting clients who are violating your boundaries or not honoring payments or something like that. Or it could mean your engagement is terrible on social media and it's not converting the way that you want it to. Or it could mean you have no idea how to set up technology and automations and create systems, the sexiest word ever, structure and systems. Um, they are really sexy though, y'all. They're real sexy. Oh, my ses- my, my, my systems, <laughs> systems and structures and automation are so much of what allow me, it's what allowed me to take like four months away from actively selling. They're very sexy. They're very sexy. Um, anyway, that's a tangent. The point here is hopefully you're, you're probably getting the point. You're not a dingbat. And yet I go on, not because I think you're a dingbat. I go on because I like to give a lot of context and examples and cause I'm a long winded human being. The point is my business isn't working is a huge non-specific problem that could have a lot of different solutions depending on what you actually mean. And so if you can't answer the question of what exactly do you mean, it's you're going to be throwing money at a problem you don't know if you have. And you're also going to be a lot more susceptible to effective, not necessarily ethical, but effective marketing that identifies a problem that you're like, oh, right. Yeah, I, I might have that problem. I could that that sounds like a problem I could have. And so that's the point of this episode. Shall I actually get into the episode? Um, we're in it already. It's happening. I'm being very hard on myself today. I want to give you the context to make a more informed decision about the specific problem I have is fill in the blank. Therefore, what I need and or want is fill in the blank. So that if you are hiring someone, spending money, investing in a book, reading a book, doing exercises, whatever, choosing which Instagram account to follow, choosing which free training to sign up for, Whatever you're doing, I want it to be effective at solving the problem, need, or desire you identify so that you don't keep spinning your wheels, you don't beat yourself up and feel like you're a failure, you aren't throwing your arms up at the sky and saying, why, God, why am I just not meant for this? And, you know, maybe maybe that's a lot of pressure to put on a podcast episode, but we're going to try. So for the sake of simplicity, I have broken down these phases of entrepreneurship a variety of times, and I love a Venn diagram. So I typically think about it in, um, it's not a Venn diagram at this point, but I typically think about it as like a row of circles where every circle slightly overlaps with the one before it, before it. If that visual gives you any sense. What I mean by that is the phases of entrepreneurship are like, they're not discreet. They're not hard and fast. This is not a clear set of rules. And when I, like when I am breaking this down, I I use this exercise a lot in developing programs and offerings. Um, I break it down way more granularly. um, But for the sake of creating something that's actually consumable via audio and not having a bunch of diagrams and not having this podcast be a a two hour long training, we're breaking it down into three primary buckets. Phase one is the starting or starting up phase. I'm going to say generally, 
This one is probably one of the longest, like timeline wise. I think a lot of people do spend a lot of time in this phase. Phase two is the sustaining phase. It's probably, I feel like for phase one is probably longest, phase two, second longest, phase three. But phase three, in theory, you then do for the rest of your life. So I don't know. Starting up does take, I think, a lot longer than folks anticipate, and it ends up creating a lot of frustration. Um, and I want to be clear, starting up doesn't mean you're not making any money. Doesn't have to mean that. We'll define each of these a little bit more. And then the third phase is when you are scaling. So let's circle back to starting, starting up. When you are starting up, this covers the range from, I've just decided I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you signed up for a training. Maybe you got some supplies and started putting together your own uh, jewelry or your own subscription box, or you are um, putting together, like you rented out a studio space and you're putting together a brick and mortar business, whatever it may be. This ranges from that first, like, oh, I'm doing it, into here's the business I'm doing, here's sort of my model, I'm putting together programs, products, or services, and then all the way up to the point where you start making consistent money. So when we look at sustaining, that's where we start looking at consistency, smoothing out the edges, um, some initial uh, systems and structures. But in this first startup phase, we are looking at all things foundation. What does your brand or your company stand for? What are your values? Um, setting up the infrastructure, whether that's digital infrastructure, like putting choosing what platforms you're going to be on. Are you going to have a website? Starting up the website. Are you going to have a podcast? What are you going to call your business? What point are you going to file for an LLC? Or should you be an LLC or an S-Corp? Or should you incorporate? Do you even need to do that? Obviously, I'm speaking with the context of being a business owner in the United States. But similar questions apply in different um, countries and continents. Questions around what tech should I use? How should I deliver things? How do I post on social media? How do I market things? What should I charge? What should I offer? How consistently? And then there's all of the initial, what is often called mindset work, healing work, I'd more so call it, of am I going to annoy people? Am I talking too much? Who am I to do this? Imposter syndrome. Someone else already did it. What are they going to think about me? Is everyone going to judge me? All of this happens in the startup phase of your business. So some questions to ask yourself to see if you're starting up. Do you know how to market and sell your offering or offerings? I should have started with this one. Do you know what you are offering? If this was a two-way podcast, could you tell me right now in less than a minute, really less than 30 seconds, what you offer? What do you sell? What could I buy from you right now? If I wanted to buy that thing or service or whatever from you right now, could I pay you for it? Do you have structures set up to receive payment? Does your business have a solid foundation? Does it have a brand? Like the visual value elements that make up a brand. Does it have, are you clear on the identity of your business? It's values. I keep saying values because it's so important. Do you have business-oriented platforms set up? So a lot of folks... Um, I actually did not do this. You totally can. But a lot of folks will um, start using their personal Instagram account, like their existing Instagram account or an existing Facebook account or Twitter account or TikTok account or whatever it may be. They'll start using that same platform. Have you 
change, change things around. I don't believe you need to erase the fact that you had a life before, like, and you were using social media differently than before you started your business. But if like, have you set up these virtual spaces where people can clearly come and see, oh, they're running a business. Here's the link to where I pay them or a website if you have one or how to book a service or how to buy a session or how to order a product. Do you have that infrastructure set up? Do you have, if you run a physical business, do you have addresses set up? Have you set up your um, business listing in Google Maps and other map providers so people can find you when they search for restaurants or massages or spas or yoga studios in their area? Do you, do you get the, the understanding of like how robust this section of setting up your business is? Like, this is where you learn how to make a thing to sell. You might be a great practitioner already. You might already have a sense of like, okay, I know how to run a session, or I know how to make this jewelry, or I know how to give a massage, or teach a yoga class, whatever it may be. But this is also the moment where you learn how to become a marketer and a salesperson and how to set up, like how to be an IT person for yourself, right? How to set up digital things. There is a lot to learn in this phase. So the primary thing, if you are in the starting up phase, the primary thing you need is education, particularly business, marketing, sales, entrepreneurial education. Now, depending on what you are uh, doing, you might also need some practitioner uh, education, right? So let's say you decide you want to become a yoga teacher. If you are not a certified yoga teacher, then at least here in the United States, it's pretty standard, it's not regulated, um, but it's pretty standard to expect that you have a 200-hour yoga teacher training that is certified by Yoga Alliance. There are all sorts of asterisks around Yoga Alliance and cultural appropriation and yoga in the West. But in the West, it is typically expected that you should have a 200-hour yoga teacher training from a certified Yoga Alliance school before you start teaching. So in that example, you would need to go through that 200-hour training, get your practitioner skills of I can teach yoga. I can be a practitioner of teaching yoga, right? As well as entrepreneurial skills of how do I build a community to come to my yoga class? How do I sell a yoga class? How do I right? Like all of these, how do I charge for yoga classes? If I'm doing yoga online, how do I deal with music rights? All so many various questions, right? If you versus, let's say you already are a yoga teacher, certified, whatever, and you've been teaching at a studio, but now you want to start your own business of running private classes and running like online curriculums around yoga something like that. In that case, you probably don't need to learn as much, if anything, practitioner-wise. I'm always here for continuing education. But you probably don't need to go back and learn more about how to teach yoga because you already have the practitioner skill set. This is where a lot of people are in the startup phase. You're an amazing practitioner. You've got so much knowledge. You know how good your jewelry is or how dope your subscription boxes are or how incredible your moon circle is or how great your cakes are, like whatever, I don't know. You know how good your stuff is because you are skilled at it. You're a practitioner. You've mastered this. And maybe there's some imposter syndrome. Okay. But deep down, is there a part of you that knows like, this is what I was born for. I'm good at this. I'm naturally gifted at this. Even if another part of you doubts it, especially when you start to go public with it. That's where I find a lot of people get stuck. Is that there's not this understanding that like what you are doing is developing a completely new skill set. 
so much of what it takes to be a successful fill in the blank online business owner is knowing how to market yourself, knowing how to sell yourself or not really yourself by yourself. I mean, your program, product or service, what it is that you do or sell or offer. And a lot of folks spend a lot of time trying to get certifications, trying to feel confident, trying to feel ready, focus on your practitioner skill set rather than wait, how do I become a good marketer? How do I become a good marketer in a way that feels correct and just and ethical for me, for my business, for my community, for my values? How do I same questions for becoming a good salesperson? in a way that feels ethical, aligned with my values, good for me, good for my community. And so if you're in this startup phase, do you understand how to have technology set up? So basic technology, even if you have a brick and mortar business, not an online business, do you understand how to use technologies to support you in giving and receiving whatever you give and receive between client and customer and your business, as well as to receive payment, to communicate, to do marketing. Do you understand how to do that? Do you understand the basics of marketing? Do you understand the basics of sales? And do you feel clear on what you are making? Learning those things, how to market, how to sell, is clutch. And really, if you learn how to sell, how to market and how to sell, you will never, you will never be shit out of luck. Because really, if you know how to sell, whether the dollar stays around or not, you can support yourself. And if you can sell ethically, you can support yourself without having to sacrifice your values, period. It's honestly a really, really, one of the best things I ever did for my scarcity fears was learn how to sell and learn how to sell ethically. Because that knowing that is in my bones because I have the lived experience of if things get tough, if financially all of a sudden I'm like, oh, we had an unexpected bill, the cats need to go to the vet, we have to get new tires, whatever, those like, there's a health thing that pops up. I know how to sell. I know how to make money. And I know how to do it in a way that doesn't require I take advantage of people, that doesn't require I manipulate people, that doesn't do any of that. If you can learn how to do that, which you can, it's probably going to take practice before you feel ready to do it. It's probably going to take knowing that you will screw it up. But if you can learn to do that, unshakable. You really, really become unshakable. So starting up, mostly what you need is knowledge. And really, a lot of it is in marketing and selling. If you are not yet a master practitioner of what it is that you want to do or make or share, learning that sort of thing, yep, maybe learning like some of the nuances of your particular industry. If you're coaching, what are, you know, what are the sort of norms so you can break them <laughs> um, of, of operating and coaching? If you're in yoga, what are the things there, right? If you make jewelry, what are the kind of standards there? If you are starting a shop on Etsy to sell calligraphy templates or something, what are the sort of things that like, yes, learn things about your industry, but the foundation of your business, all the ideal client, brand, messaging, blah, 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 plus marketing and selling, learn how to do those things. I'd argue that once you kind of get to the point of, I've sold a few things, I've got my first few clients, I've got, it's, there's, there's, in my mind, there's no actual metric, like, 
it doesn't go from like, oh, okay, after your first $3,000 a month, then you're in the sustaining phase. Or after you've been in business for six months, then you move to scaling. Like, it it's not that discreet because it's everyone's business is so different. Everyone's desires are so different. Everyone's business model, everyone's overhead. Like, it's so, it's so different. Um, it's one of the reasons I really like live programs and um, like hands-on support with someone. Cause I just, I, I can't read, there's very little cookie cutter advice I can give you. Learn how to market and sell is one of the things. Um, but there's very little cookie cutter advice I can give you because y- your business is going to be so different, even though it may have so many similarities, but like everyone's experience in growing their business is going to be different. So I'd say that roughly when you get to the point of your business is starting to bring in, has started to bring in money, you are starting to feel a sense of momentum, you have sold some things, maybe it's one program a couple of times or had a couple clients or you have some regulars in the studio or the spa, like, or you have a couple subscribers to your membership or whatever you're sending out, right? as well as maybe you're starting to see like, okay, this might actually could work. This I'm getting to this place where it's working, but you're maybe having some inconsistency in money that's coming in, right? So like you have a launch and it works and you see that it could happen or you have an opening and it works, but then the next month it falls down or you have an initial rush of sessions and then people aren't coming back and you're not quite sure how to keep bringing in new people, right? Like this is where we move into the sort of sustaining phase where a lot of sustaining is about refinement. Imagine you're writing a book and your startup phase is your first draft. It is messy. You throw noodles at the wall There's pasta everywhere. Now I have to have pasta for dinner tonight. There's pasta all over the place. Everything's a mess. But like some stuff sticks and you can see it sticking. You're like, okay, okay, cool. Sticking. It's working. This could actually work. When you move into the sustaining phase, this is where you want to play with more developing and development of skill sets that you started to get some proficiency with in the starting up phase. But it's about, in large part, taking the knowledge you learned from starting up and applying it, integrating it, practicing it even more and even more consistently than you did in the starting up phase. So that you can create consistency in building your community, call it your community, your audience, whatever as well as in growing your income, growing your revenue, growing the impact that you're able to have, as well as in this phase really doing kind of an initial edit of clean up the noodles that are on the floor that didn't stick at all, right? Look at like, okay, what actually did not work and what did work so I can scrap any of the things that didn't work and build on more of the things that did work. Or maybe don't scrap all the things that didn't work, but say, okay, why didn't this work? What can I learn from the fact that this didn't work? By the sustaining phase, you have some data about, I tried A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And A, F, G, and C worked. I can see like that turned into this person becoming a client, they're long-term, having referrals worked because of this, right? But then the rest of, I can't remember what letters I said, the rest of the letters didn't work. Okay, let me look at this. What's going on? And a lot of that then is going to reveal to you where you might still have some knowledge gaps. You might realize like, oh, okay, I realize I didn't learn how to write compelling content that attracts new people very well. So my business is kind of faltering because I keep kind of selling to the same community over and over again. And I'm selling the same program, product, or service. So it's really, I'm I'm, I'm having trouble finding steam there. 
right? Sustaining is about, is your revenue consistent? Is it consistent and meeting your financial needs where they are right now? It's also looking at, are you experiencing any burnout? That's also, that's a little bit more in the the scaling phase, but are you reacting to things you see other people do? What your clients ask for? Um, I mean, ideally, yes, give your clients what they ask for, Um, but to like to what your community is asking for and creating from the outside in rather than the inside out. Are you creating what you think you're supposed to create? Are you building the business you think you're supposed to build? Are you the business you think will work or the business you want to be building, right? Are you reacting to the outside stimulus or are you responding to the inside stimulus? Because this is, in the sustaining phase, we want to create sustainability. So this is where you've got the first draft, you're doing the initial edit so that you can pull out anything that's funky that is going to make this unsustainable, that is going to create resentment or bitterness or exhaustion down the line. And you're also bringing consistency, sustainability, into your revenue overall. So first creating consistency in your revenue and then consistent growth in your revenue, as well as consistent community growth and or retention. So looking at, is my community growing? Am I, do I know what to do or create or share what action to take? That might be energetic. It might be a part of your manifestation practice. It might be a meditation, right? This isn't just, I post on Instagram. Do you know what to do metaphysically and or physically to grow your community, to bring new people into to your work? And or do you know how to continue serving sustainably the people who are already in your community? Not in a codependent way of they always need you and t- telling them they always need you so they never leave, but in a genuine I'm building a long-term relationship with these people because I want to be able to support them long-term as long as it is aligned. So the sustaining phase is a lot about kind of analysis of what's working, what's not working, where can we trim away what's working, what's not working, excuse me, learn from what's not working and build on what is working so that we can create sustainable, consistent audience growth, community growth, and revenue growth. And when, when I say growth, all I really mean is this is the phase where you really hit your stride. And if hitting those $10,000 months or a $5,000 month or whatever, like if those numbers, whatever those numbers are for you of like, I am, I am at a point of fulfillment, right? Of feeling enough, of feeling satisfied. This sustaining phase is where we really find that sweet spot and find consistency in it, which is going to be different for everyone, right? You might be, feel sustainable and consistent and satisfied making $5,000 a month with $1,500 spent on business expenses a month and, you know, saving a thousand and putting X dollars toward your rent, like whatever the thing. Or if you're like, no, I actually, I want to hire a team. I want to save $2,000 to invest in a team every month. My rent is X. I want to save X dollars a month, whatever the thing is, or I want to hire this mentor. I want to do this program. I want to invest in this continuing education. You might be like, no, okay, I really need to hit $10,000 a month or $8,000 a month or whatever your number is, this sustaining phase is where we edit away anything that is an obstacle. And a lot of what you need most is skill set development, analysis of what's working and what's not, and then skill set development through action. Are you applying what you learned about how to be a good ethical marketer? 
And are you getting better? Are you looking at what's working and what's not? Not obsessively, not like I'd rather eat bugs than obsess over analytics. But are you noticing or are you just still staying in the throwing noodles at the wall and telling yourself the story that's nothing stick, that nothing is sticking because you're not even paying attention to the fact that you've been throwing noodles at the wall for the last year? That's the sustaining phase. Analysis of what's happened so far, as well as editing and refining based on that analysis, taking action based on the analysis, and then looking at, um, and this can be intuitive analysis. I feel like <laughs> I, um, I often, when I talk about business, I feel like I end up sounding um, only in the divine masculine. Let me be clear, y'all. There is a lot of energetic work and journaling and tapping and meditating and alignment work and embodiment work that goes into the thing. So when I'm talking about analysis of what's working, that also means what does my spiritual practice look like? What does my daily alignment practice look like? How am I taking care of my physical body? Um, what is my relationship to content? Am I reenacting abandonment wounds from childhood when I'm creating content? Am I engaging in people pleaser techniques when I am creating offerings and setting my prices, right? Like it is not just let me look at my Instagram analytics and see what numbers are like, no, <laughs> a lot of accents in that. It's the whole picture of what is working and what is not. And then skill set development, continuing to become a better, more ethical marketer and salesperson as well as, yeah, practitioner growth perhaps as well as you have more um, experience. The final phase, eh, final phase for today's episode <laughs> is the scaling phase. This is where you're at that comfortable, my business is fully paying all of my bills, I and maybe and then some, Maybe your lifestyle, your sort of quality of lifestyle has um, improved because you do have more money. So maybe you actually are making more than you were making prior to starting your business. Um, but like business is, business is paying your bills and then some, perhaps. Um, you feel pretty solid on like, I know how to make money. I know how to grow my community. I know a lot of the what to do right? And I have like a pretty solid engine. Like I got a solid foundation. It feels really good. Um, it might not feel really good in the scaling phase. You might, you might reach burnout, which is where we do an even deeper edit here on what programs, products, services are still in alignment, most nourishing, and really want to stay. You might keep everything. You might get rid of some things. You might adapt some things. This is where you might want to start looking at a team or support that might come in the form of um, humans, right? Hiring a virtual assistant, hiring an online business manager, hiring a customer service rep, um, hiring additional staff if you have a physical location, hiring someone to handle shipping and receiving, hiring an accountant, hiring, you know, all of these different things. Um, or it could look like adding some additional kind of virtual support. So investing in like a more robust um, payment processor and um, CRM, <laughs> that's an, a term. Um, I honestly am not hiding what that stands for. I can't remember client. I can't remember. Okay, y'all, here's the challenge. First person, I don't know, I'll give a, I'll give a prize. To, I'll give a shout out. I don't have any prize ideas right now, y'all. I'll give a shout out to anyone who is the first person to DM me on Instagram what CRM stands for. I should just look it up right now. It's going to bug me. Anyway, it's like the space that something like Infusionsoft or... Entreport. These are more robust, typically more expensive um, platforms that 
allow for a lot of automation, allow for a lot of retargeting, allow you to play with ads, which is something you might also consider in scaling. Um, like, are you going to start putting money behind growing new audience members, right? It's also, I think, a space to review and recommit to and reconnect to the business model you've been building and really drop into how do I feel about this business model? Because by the time you're at the scaling phase, you should have a good chunk of data about how you feel about all of the different programs, products, or services that you've been creating, right? Let's say you have been creating, like doing a service-based model where you do a lot of done-for-you things. You do um, photo shoots and web development, right? You, you take people's photos for them. You run the whole photo shoot. You edit their photos. You give them to them. And then you also um, create their website for them, the template. If you realize in the scaling phase, oh, you're, in the scaling phase, you're going to want to say, okay, do my financial goals still align with what I am bringing in? Or do I, you know, do I have a desire to bring in additional income? Do my lifestyle goals still align with the business model I have? You might realize I've been working 30, 35 hours a week and I, I want to be home with my kids. I want to be able to travel a little bit more and not have as many deadlines. Okay, great. Now that you have data from doing the thing, you have experience, testimonials, case studies, it's even easier to pivot and shift your business model. You can do it whenever you like, let me be clear. And it is even easier when you have this really yummy foundation. And so I think it's a really great time before you assume that more is better and just start running a Facebook ad and setting up a funnel and hiring a team, drop into, okay, what were my values when I started this? What was in alignment when I started this? Do those things still feel true? What's shifted? What's changed? And if anything has changed, especially anything around your lifestyle, how much you want to be working, how connected you want to be with your clients and your business, your customers, you can adapt things accordingly to have a more high-touch, hands-on business model where you're very involved and you know everyone who's involved in your business or who purchases from you. Or you could go the other side of um, having a very, very low touch where you sell pretty much just information products and you can sell a thousand of this mini course and know that it's helping a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of people, but you don't actually know all of their names. You might not, you probably don't know many of their names and have a personal connection to them, right? Or maybe it's, I, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of folks who listen to this are aspiring or current coaches or facilitators of some sort, right? Like you, you facilitate some kind of transformational um, program or service. If you are like, I want to be writing books and impacting millions, or I want to be um, on stages impacting millions or running these giant programs, great. When you're in the scaling phase, that's where you pause and ask yourself, okay, do I still feel in alignment with that? If I have only that, am I going to feel, am I going to miss doing private client work? You might not. But then all of a sudden it's like, okay, if I'm going to miss doing private client work, let me build a business model that allows me enough time and space to live my life the way I want, while also allowing me enough time and space to work with a handful of really, really yummy clients who I adore working with and supporting, as well as the time and space to do these big launches or this big travel. And let me structure my private programs so that I can have these travel times without stressing about time zones and scheduling and calendars and rescheduling and blah, blah, blah. I hope this is making sense, right? These are, and I hope most importantly that you can kind of start to see the different level, no, oh, God damn it, <laughs> not levels, different phases and how there are different needs for each phase, which I then hope in turn you will um, take into your practice and take into your decisions around like if you are talking to a coach considering hiring someone please like ident use this framework identify like hey I'm in this phase 
I really, really, really need to learn about X and Y. I need help in developing those skill sets. Is that something you can do? Like take those questions into conversations, into um, like if someone's launching a course and they ask if you have any questions, like send them that question, right? Because I, you know, I just want you to be able to get to where you want to get to, have the support that you need so that you can get there sooner rather than later. So starting, sustaining, scaling, these three phases of entrepreneurship. Starting, you mostly need knowledge. Sustaining, analysis and skill set development. Scaling is kind of just editing, probably some new knowledge. And frankly, in scaling, a lot of times what you need is support, whether that's from humans or technology. So thank you for listening. As always, I hope this was helpful. If it was, it means the world to me when you take a moment to share a screenshot of you listening, share this episode, send it to a friend, and or leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts if that, if that is where you listen. It is so very helpful. It's why I say it every stinking time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you, and I will talk to you soon. This is the Live Your Legacy outro. Thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging with me on the podcast. It brings me so stinking much joy. As always, your listening, your time is so greatly appreciated. And if this was valuable to you, please help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts, if that is where you listen, or by sharing across any of your social media platforms, email someone who would benefit from this. Any way that you feel called to share helps us so very much. Make sure you check the show notes to grab any links or resources from this week's episode and we will chat with you soon.